welcome to New Manager Media, Manage Right from the Start with Jennifer Takagi. I'm Jennifer, a former climber of the corporate and government ladders turned leadership development entrepreneur. I'm a leadership coach helping you transform your office from feeling like a prison cell into a playground where employees are energized, engaged, and eager to work. Stress is reduced. Productivity is increased. Communication is seamless because playgrounds are much more fun than cubicle cells. Leadership development might seem like hard work, but leadership done right helps you create the team of your dreams. Each week, I'll bring you an inspiring message to pave the way to your successful journey into a leadership role. Thank you for joining me today. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome to New Manager Media, Manage Right from the Start. I'm your host, Jennifer Takagi, and I'm so excited today to introduce you to my new friend, Jessica Koch. Um, and that goes along with Scotch, in case you're curious <laughs> on how that is said. I met her virtually. A lot of people are struggling in the virtual world because things are not the same. Okay, I get it. Things are not the same, but let's find the good and the blessings where they are. I was invited to attend a summit that had like 36 speakers, well, 36 slots, 30 some odd speakers over three days. And it was all on entrepreneurial ship and building your business. And Jessica was one of the speakers. And then we start chatting together. If you are in online training, online meeting to the nth degree, my one suggestion for you is use the chat. If you are reading the chat comments and you are chatting with the host, with your colleagues, whomever's on it, it will make time fly by and you won't feel like you're just in a virtual world of, you know, sitting there by yourself all day. So that's my tip of the day. Jessica, you have got so many stories on how you got your business going, your previous life and businesses. Uh, she has seven children, count them, siete <laughs> niños. And, uh, so she's got to have some leadership skills there, right? <laughs> house and in business. So Jessica, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you. Tell us, how do you lead? What do you do to lead? Why are you a leader? Is anybody listening a leader? I think they all are, but I'll let you be the judge of that. <laughs> so I do have seven kids. And a matter of fact, um, I actually have a quote because of that, that has been shown up in books that are published and, and everything else is it's, it's now is later, sooner. So do it now. The reason that's my quote is with seven kids, I would say, go clean your room. And they said, mom, I'll do it later. I'm like, no, no, no. Now is later, sooner. So do it now. <laughs> and so that is also now some of my, my uh, motto, if you would, in business, I will say now is later, sooner. So do it now. And that's kind of the story um, on my entrepreneurship and actually leadership. I didn't plan on managing. And I also actually didn't plan on having my own company. So I was a business development expert on a high level for corporations and government and the Fortune 1000. And I work with several companies, but primarily one specific company where we did auditing uh, for cost savings for, again, government entities, universities, public school systems, um, hospitals, and a lot of power, actually, a lot of power companies and uh, power providers globally. And one of the largest 
power providers was my client even. So I did a lot of very interesting projects from that standpoint and didn't really ever see myself owning my own business. And after 15 years with them and a few other companies that didn't go the way the contract maybe had been written based on interpretation, <laughs> um, it just seemed like I, I felt like, you know what? I was finished. I, my husband has a very successful company. I'm a great marketer. So I started ramping up the marketing for his company. And I was staying home with our youngest child, who is now right now nine. So she was several years younger than that. And we were playing on the beach and I was homeschooling and it was kind of done. And the local chamber had called and asked me to teach a LinkedIn class and uh, asked a few times. And I finally said yes, because I believe people matter most. But I was not working for anyone at the time. I didn't want to work for anyone. I didn't have a business. I didn't want a business. And I wasn't currently a chamber member. And uh, even though I love and believe chambers are fantastic and fabulous at the time, didn't have a desire to, to rejoin the chamber. But I went and taught this class and I could not believe the turnout um, and the frenzy of people writing and uh, all the notes and really just didn't dawn on me how desperately there was a need for this information. And I got asked to help or consult or work for them. And I, again, then said no and help people for free because people matter most. So for about six months, I helped people for free. And then I got asked to be one of the lead speakers at our local university for a women's summit that happened annually um, for women business owners. And so I uh, spoke there. And at that point, my husband said, suck it up, buttercup. You got a business, whether you like it or not. And so it's I did a business, honey. <laughs> yes, exactly. Except for you need to start charging people now. <laughs> and that's kind of how that went. I went, okay. fine. And uh, so I, I started primarily focusing on my skill set, I would help build out sales strategies, uh, everything from an individual to small companies, helping them manage and make consistency across their different locations and onboarding processes and prospecting and referral programs and just all the things I know about sales and integrating that with, so tried and true traditional sales skills, you know, five steps to a conversation, different styles of closing, you know, and different personality types and adjusting your presentation to that. And you and I both are big believers in um, really identifying the personality type in front of you and, um, making sure that you're conforming to that and all these great things. And then I would teach them about how to integrate that into social media. So the tried and true traditional with the new technology, new automations, new platforms, places they need to be, and that social media strategy and how to build a con uh, content for it and how to be cohesive and consistent and educational and entertaining and informational, and then draw them into a funnel and then down and down the rabbit hole you go, right, with all the different results from that. And what I found was I was fire hosing my clients with all this information. They were thrilled with it. They would apply it. They would get great results, but they were exhausted. And they would come back to me and say, there's about a million little micro tasks to get all these things done. How do you do it all, Jessica? And I said, well, I don't do it all. I have from the get-go, I had this small army of people who were, I was outsourcing everything under the sun to, and I outsource everything under the sun that I can possibly outsource and have been from the very beginning. And a lot of people will say to me with small business owners, oh, I don't think I have the money yet. I'm not sure I'm ready to outsource. So I had a handful of really consistent clients, like two or three that were pretty good and a couple more that would come and go and do some private coaching with me. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Can I justify spending money on this? I have to tell you, there's no excuses. Suck, suck it up, buttercup, a quote from my husband. And I looked around at what I had and I know you have something. Maybe you don't have the same things I did, but I had 
a nine-year-old who was growing, well, she was younger than that at the time, but she was growing like a weed and a mother who likes to shop, go figure. I had baby gap clothes, children plays. I had high-end toys, really fancy shoes that been worth three times maybe. And I put them on Facebook Marketplace. I earned several hundred dollars from the things I posted up and sold. And then I took that couple hundred dollars and I got my first virtual assistant. And so then I began managing, to my surprise, a small army of virtual assistants. And now that is part of my package. I give you the sales strategy, I give you the social media strategy, and then we link that to a virtual assistant. So now I'm managing a large bank of, of customers, their different projects and events and webinars and book launches and podcasts and show releases. And I'm, you know, helping one get um, on different TED talks and, you know, so all these different things I'm doing for my customers. And then I'm managing the team of virtual assistants that are helping my clients achieve all those things. So talk about manager 10X, right? Like that was not a position I ever considered myself in, but if you try to, so that's the other thing. Then I, now I am training on my team, several key client, uh, key team members to manage the program and the customers and the different teams that are supporting my different clients so that then I'm just managing the managers, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, Jennifer, help me. I'm not the manager expert. This is just what's happened to me and I've run with it. <laughs> Well, and, and that is what happens. And I love the way you say you're managing your clients because a lot of employees are either just stepping into a management role or they're not quite there. Mm -hmm. And if they understood that they were actually managing their client base, mm -hmm. that would like open up so many ideas for how they're already managing. Yes. For um, the state of Oklahoma, I do a class called Discover the Leader in You. Mm -hmm. And it ends up, when we were in person, there would be anywhere from 25 to 35 people in the room and over half of them were not supervisors yet. So they were like, well, I'm not a leader. I'd say, how many are leaders? Raise your hand, raise it high. And they'd be like, uh, well, I no." but you're a leader. You're a manager in so many ways that, you know, most of us don't even consider, but it really is. And it's setting you up for, for what you're going to do and your past work and past life is what I call my previous life when I was in corporate and government America. Mm -hmm. That set me up to do what I do now, right? Because my stories come from there. My experiences come from there. And the guidance I give other people, it all comes from your history. So you were already managing in your previous life and then sitting on a beach, you know, homeschooling. <laughs> <That turned laughs> into not, I mean, you kind of have two businesses because you've got to manage all your virtual people plus manage all your clients. Mm -hmm. So if somebody were just stepping into a management role, like what is the one thing you think they need to be doing first? Like what do they, what do they need to know? What skill do they need to have? I, um, I don't know your feeling or where you stand on the one minute manager, but I have to tell you, I really love uh, the premise of that book. And in my past, when I have actually managed teams nationally and virtually, believe it or not, before it was a thing, um, I managed uh, a team of representatives that supported, you know, how you, well, it's all the time you take an online course now. 
but back in the day when for online courses first emerged for universities, there was about three main heavy hitters that were providing those online courses for all of the different universities. And it was kind of a white label situation where it was labeled as the university's course, but it was provided by an outside provider. And so I worked for one of those top providers of those courses. And my job was to hire and train the sales team and representatives that work directly with the universities um, all over the United States. And I did this virtually before it was a thing years ago. Um, so I think something really good to know is the process. Know exactly what the steps and the systems are that your team you're managing needs to do to be as successful as you would like them to be and pull that together in a one page document. And that's the premise of the one minute managers. Really there's a one page document of this is what you're gonna do. This is the steps it takes to do it short enough to be on just a one page, one sided sheet of paper so that they're clear of what they have to do every day and what is expected of them. And that helps them um, to be a better manager. So if you know what your staff and your team is supposed to be doing and you've done it so that you know that you're not missing any of the little steps that take you from A to B, um, then they're more successful in achieving it, right? Because they can follow those steps and they will absolutely get there, you know? So, so I think- <clears throat> If you have multiple tasks, then do you have one sheet for each task or is this kind of like an overview set of steps for your day because I have not read that book. I've heard about it for years. I've never read it. Absolutely. One minute manager. It's such a short read read it. You'll love it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You'll love it. Um, and he just so happens to write. So I, I always say that my, um, my business being born was my Jonah and the whale story. Cause truly I was Jonah hiding in the whale by choice. And I was pulled out by my ankles for this business who decided to be born, which I love. But uh, the one minute manager is really interesting. He didn't really have um, a strong spiritual um, premise. He has a great, there's a great YouTube video of him um, talking for about an hour about his story. It's really fascinating. And after writing that book and the success that that book came with, he had a complete life conversion and became very spiritual and then wrote a book called Lead Like Jesus. So uh, a leadership book based on, on that, which I thought was phenomenal. I, I just think he's a really great individual. Um, but you can do one page overview for everything overall, like main key objectives. But what I have my team do, like for my virtual assistants even, we get on a Zoom like this and then say we have a project. And we're, I'm going to teach them via sharing my screen. This is that you click here, you click here, you click here. This is what I need done. This is exactly the words. This is what you're going to change. This is where I want it stored when it's finished. These are all the steps and I've recorded it. Now their job is, and they know this, to rewatch the recording first, type out the name of the project and all of the steps that are in the video, including any links and anything else that would be important so that if they couldn't do it, someone else could then watch this video and use that one page guide for someone else to take that job over. So I'm constantly building in a backup system, if you would, for clear expectations of exactly what it's supposed to be. And then I wanna know exactly how long it took them to complete how many, right? So 
say there is an Excel sheet they're building and they have the steps to do. So I want to know, so, so maybe they're supposed to take 50 people and they're supposed to add all 50 people in their companies to the Excel sheet, find them on LinkedIn, put the URL and put the status of whether we're connected or not, whether we've sent them an invitation or not, and any other notes that we need. I want them to time themselves doing five because that will give us a base point for the next person who does it so we can mathematically calculate about how many hours will it take the average person to get this project done. It's just a, it's just a guide, right? Because if I can mathematically calculate, say then I next time I have a thousand people that I need this done for, then I have a rough idea as a business owner, how many hours is this project gonna take to complete and how, much, how many dollars is that gonna cost um, the company to complete it? Right. So these are the kinds of things you want to be thinking about, no matter what kind of company you're managing, whether it's virtual assistants or or your team and your staff, you need to have an idea of how long does a project take. Um, and if you amplified or scaled that project, then how much would it cost? So if you have that tracking done in advance, then you can then calculate that and give those projections to your managers right, or to to the person managing the money or looking at the company as a whole. Right. So I love the fact that you did a video training and granted it was via Zoom, which you can record Zoom, which is what we're doing right now, but you can record it and then somebody else can have it later because I think a lot of managers get very caught up in trying to train their staff because they feel like it will take too long. Mm -hmm. And I am the worst artist ever. And I've tried to do this in classes and they laugh at me. So now I make somebody in the audience come forward and do it. But it is the um, vision going along with your Jonah and the whale. It is a whale. And if you start at the tail and that's how much you train, then you're going to be spending hours, weeks, and months in the huge part of the whale retraining, fixing, correcting. Mm -hmm. But if you flip that whale around and spend a whole lot of time up front, once it's done, then poof, it's, it's over and it's, and it's easy. But I like that idea of do a recording so that it, you know, you have it for future. You're planning for that succession, like the succession planning that we always talk about. So I love that one page Mm -hmm. with the steps in the process, mm -hmm. videotape it, have them write out the process and then five times, because I used to run into that. Um, we had an operations officer who was really adamant. Everything had to be done in a certain period of time, but not everything fit in that period of time because you could have one project that was like a big old hairy monster and it took three days and she was like, that should have taken, you know, four hours. It should have been done by lunch. Well, okay. Do you want to come look at this? <laughs> come look at this. But if you've got some of those that are three days and some of those that are four hours, mm -hmm. again, you can come up with an average to have an idea. I love that. The other great tip to know is, um, these kinds of videos can be transcribed using a free software called otter.ai. Now I still have my person re-listen and type it out intentionally because 
they're going to be doing this task, right? So it's part of their training process and it's ingraining it into them. And then those people who have done that then become my trainers. So then I'll have a new person come on who needs to perform the same task for another client. And then I'll have that person who I know has done it with me and has done all those steps, train that person for me um, so that I'm not doing that again. And they create a video of the training and it all gets saved in a folder and a Google Drive and it's properly labeled by the client and by the team member and all of that's tracked. Um, but there is a, a software for, so if you're just doing something or you're really um, on tight for, re for funds and resources right now, then uh, a helpful tool is otter.ai that will transcribe it. So say you just had a getting to know you call and you were smart enough to do it on Zoom and get to know someone from a networking event you went to and you recorded it. You could then upload that video to otter.ai and it'll transcribe the notes for you of what was said so that if there's any to-do list or action items that you, or you promised, you can then scan the notes versus rewatching the entire video but also know, some people don't know this, you can rewatch YouTube videos at a really high speed rate. So as fast as you can listen and, and ingest the information, you can pay it, play it in double time. In fact, I listen to all my trainings in double time. I constantly go to the little tool, little spinny wheel to see if I can make it move faster because I've just been listening in high speed so long that it sounds slow to me in slow motion. Regular motion sounds like they're talking like this. <laughs> And it drives me bazonkas. So <laughs> I don't think I ever heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. So those are ways that I because I can't some people are just painful to listen to. You really want the information. Just spit it out already. Just get to <laughs> get man. there. Get there. Just get there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So kind of to sum that up would be clear expectations exactly how you want it to be. Like that is the number one big thing because without those clear expectations, they're going to let you down. Well, right. And do it yourself first. Like yeah. hopefully most tasks you have actually experienced and you've tracked how long does it take you and ex all the exact steps. So that's how I actually run the video training. I do two or three of what I want them to do. And then I have them share their screen and I watch them do two or three of what I want them to do. So that way I know, and they know, exactly how long roughly this should take. So I was really lucky because I was promoted into a job I had done for a couple of years, but then I got um, assigned to a different job I did for eight years that I loved. Well, the job I did for two years, I was never really very good at because I just barely got my feet wet. So mm -hmm. my employees knew that I didn't know how to do every task. So they could have pulled the wool over my eyes a little bit, but they were usually pretty authentic and true about it. Um, but there were a lot of things I did not know how to do, but mm -hmm. I knew conceptually. And so uh, those of you listening out there, just know there are some things in your job as a manager that your employees have to do that you may or may not ever have to do, or it has evolved. It might've evolved to the point that your employees knew how to do it step-by-step step and you just had the overview. So if you can do it yourself first, that's best. But no, you're not going to be a failure. No. If you don't. I mean, there are still ways around that. Okay. Well, so I have an example of that, actually. So uh, my autoresponder, I use is MailChimp. And I had never, I, I've never actually even logged into my MailChimp. So I have um, two people, my web designer, because he often makes me landing pages and things from that and started it. 
Then I had my other virtual assistant who I said, have you ever used it? She's like, no. I, she, I said, are you comfortable doing some research and watching a couple of training videos inside? Because the, I have really good training videos inside MailChimp when you're logged in in the back office. And she said, sure. And she was able to figure it out. We ran some tests. She was able to do it. So I just let her run with it. But I did have her make a training video and train some of the other team members on how to do what she knew how to do. And that stays in the portal. So if I ever needed to do something, like if everyone just advantaged and evaporated and couldn't help me, I could go back, watch the training video my person made custom for my stuff and not have to watch generic MailChimp videos and figure out, well, how does that work for me? You know what I mean? So that's another great, again, backup and situation where, like you say, we're not always going to know everything they do. I do think for the most part, it's good to know. Right. Uh, well, and at least conceptually, like you have to fully understand what it is you're asking them to do. Okay. So clear expectations and exa exactly how it should be done. So what would be another great tip for a new manager? I mean, that encompassed a lot, but <laughs> I want more, Jessica. Of course you do. Another <laughs> great tip for you know, a manager, I think really is, to get into that personality type. So there's all kinds of different tools. There's predictive index, there's disc, there's bank, there's some really great uh, personality tools because not just understanding what motivates your team, um, but how they think, how they process information, um, how they best uh, receive praise. Is it publicly? Is it privately? Like these are all different based on their personality type. And you as a manager, it's really your job to conform to them. I always say a great teacher has multiple teaching strategies, styles, and mediums to match and meet how their students best learn. Not expect the student to conform to you. Never as a leader should your team conform to you and your leadership style. You should conform your leadership to match all of your team uh, because then they will stand in front of a moving train to get that job done for you and to make you look good and to make the company shine. When you take that kind of interest in them as individuals and, and show that they truly matter. Okay. So I don't know why you were my boss at some point. <laughs> um, so I totally love what you said. It is a manager's job to conform, conform to the employees. So that whole thing on praise, I had um, a woman who was a friend who became my supervisor. And then lo and behold, I became her supervisor. And we had an office manager who gave out the, the awards for years of service. And he would not give it to you if you weren't present at the all employees meeting. And they would send out the agenda and they would say all employees meeting a week from Wednesday and here are the topics service awards will be given out. She refused to attend those meetings because she didn't want to have to walk to the front of the room in front of the entire office and get her award. So he was the director for a number of years. Fast forward, we have a new director. He comes to me one day and he said, Jennifer, why do I have all these awards for her? And you got, you know, a picture frame, you know, a 99 cent frame from the dollar store with your certificate of 20 years, 30 years, whatever of service. And then you got a little service award pin. And he had like 
three of them. So it was five, 10, 15, 15 years. She had not gotten one because they're a little late in submitting them. And I said, well, your predecessor wouldn't give them unless you attended the meeting. And she didn't want to walk up in front of the whole office. And so he goes, I'm going to handle this right now. So he runs to his office. He gets all her awards. He goes to her desk. She looks up and sees him standing there and he has his hand out and he says, I would like to thank you for your service and here are your awards. Well, she just started bawling (laughs) because she didn't have to go up in front of the office, but the one who made the rule, you have to be at the meeting and go in front of everybody. He wanted public praise. I mean, I want a parade. I want a cake. I want balloons. I want to be on television. I want to be on the Today Show, the Good Morning America. Bring it on. I expect exactly. balloons and diamonds if necessary. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I have a tiara. I don't know where it is. I mean, I'm all Exactly. <laughs> that was not her. She oh. did not want to go in front of the office and, and do that. And what they would do is they would shake your hand and take your picture and then they'd put it in a deal and send it to Washington. It was all a big deal. Okay. That wasn't her. And that is something that managers forget. And so if you do not have the like budget to actually hire somebody to come in to do the assessments, there are some free ones online that will give you okay. a clue. Totally I have a free one through my bank um, program. I can give them a 35 report, a page report, and there's no strings attached and no other emails that come. It's just a free gift from me. So. Well, we'll have to put that in the link in the um, show description because that, that is amazing. So here's the deal. If you as the leader will commit to knowing your people, Mm-hmm. they're going to go in front of that moving train for you. That's exactly right. And we undervalue that a lot. Mm-hmm. And the managers who are from the baby boomer generation or the traditional generation, I think it's called, I, I hate to dump people in categories, but mm-hmm. there are things that have shaped us mm-hmm. and the baby boomer generation thinks you have to work really hard and you have to do it in 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And I made a call to a gentleman I knew that a couple of years older than me even. And I said, how are you doing with this virtual environment within the federal government? I mean, how's that going for you? How's that working out for you? Yeah, how's that, <laughs> how's that going? And the response was, I love you. I didn't. <laughs> I, I would like it at all. I never thought that people could be productive from home. And it has been amazing. My wife is working from home. Our son is home from college, doing his classes from home. I'm working from home. Luckily, they had a large enough house that each of the three had their own little spots. And he goes, it's kind of fun. We get together for lunch every day at the dining room table and come together, kitchen table, whatever, right. and, and have lunch. He goes, but I just honestly didn't think people could get stuff done. And I said, well, let me just throw out one more little piece of that because the rules for Department of Housing and Urban Development were 
if your hours were eight to four thirty, you could only work from eight to four thirty. You couldn't take off from two to four to go to your kid's soccer and then come back and work those extra two hours at the end. That was not allowed. You had to work your set schedule or be on leave. I said, so the younger generations think if I get my job done, why do I have to be here? Why do you care what hours I do it in? Exactly. And so like, if I need to be available, let's say four core hours a day. So clients can reach me in those hours. What, what would that look like? And he goes, you know, I just didn't think that would ever be possible, but I'm totally seeing it as a possibility. So now I need to reach back because I think some of the people have gone back to work and see how that's going because I do training for the state of Oklahoma and I have a friend of mine from water aerobics and she says, my daughter hates it when she has to go to those classes because she has to get dressed and drive downtown. Mm-hmm. Well, or to the Capitol, it's close to downtown. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, now we're doing virtual classes. They're an hour and a half, one to two days a week. Everybody knows what time they are. They're the same time, 10 to 1130. And people love it because they can carve out an hour and a half of their day instead of a six hour day, an eight hour day. Yeah. So um, you do have to do conforming a little bit and -hmm. people who don't want to conform to their employees, um, in my opinion, are a little bit power hungry. Mm -hmm. And in the end, it's going to be egg in their face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that a lot of organizations, government and, um, and corporate are going to stick with a hybrid uh, version of coming back because um, when it's needed, I think they're going to go back to their brick and mortar on a part-time schedule. But I think that you'll see uh, that the commercial real estate market and those brick and mortar offices, people, the light bulbs going on to say they are less and less needed. I mean, there's all these tools like Microsoft Teams and zoom rooms and all these places where you can meet together as a company and when i was doing that virtual back in the day when i was doing that virtual work for that company we we just had skype on 24 7 and all of us were in group chats and conversations and we were doing our work on the side but we were also present constantly we could see what was happening it was just like if you walk down the the two doors to talk to me in my office you just, just a Skype would pop up and I, and I would answer. So they always knew you were at your desk and working because you were, you know, functioning. So there was a little bit too much, uh, big brother in that particular company because they were so worried because they were virtual and doing something most people weren't doing. And they would have had again, more loyalty and harder workers if they had just been a little bit more trustworthy, which was what I was saying to them as a manager, which is ultimately I went to bat for my people and that's why I couldn't stay because I, I won't do things like spy on people or do anything unethical. I'm not going to Facebook stalk you to see if you're at your job, you know, Oh my gosh, she posted such and such time. She's getting a mani petty. She must not be working. Like that's not my, uh, I, I value people too much. So that's not going to be in my job requirement. I'm just going to say, don't do stuff like that. Okay. Well, we had, when we first started letting people, we call it telework and we had our operations officer made us put together an Excel spreadsheet, had to be on a shared drive. Each employee had to have one. They had to list what they were going to work on. 
how long they thought it would take. And then they had to put how long it actually took so we could compare and make sure the work was getting done. Well, I had to have them set it up because it had to be there. And after a couple months, they realized I wasn't doing anything with it. So they quit filling it out. And so at some point, the union got involved and said, this is ridiculous. You don't go to an employee sitting at their desk and ask them what they're working on and how many minutes it's taking them. And did they get it done? The first thing on the list would be, I'm filling out an Excel sheet and it's taking too damn long and I can't get all my work done because I'm filling out an Excel sheet. That's what I would have wrote. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. This is stupid reporting. That's what I'm doing is reporting. It's taking me way longer than I thought it should take. <laughs> so much longer than I wanted. Okay. So one more thing. I know you can give us one more so that we have three. I like three. One more thing. So you're going to value your people. By knowing their personality types, their likes, their dislikes, and respond accordingly. Okay, so one more. So one more. Let's see. So the first one was clear expectations. And the then one was valuing somebody. The third one is taking input because nobody knows the job on in the mailroom better than the team in the mailroom. So if they hear of a new technology or way something's being done, or they see somebody else being done, or they've imagined and invented something that would make their job easier, or maybe they don't know what the technology is, but they just could imagine if this, then that would be so much easier. Does something like that out there exist? And listen to them because, and you know, your job to go find some of those tools, anything that you can find that will automate or make your employees' jobs easier um, and help them enjoy it more. Uh, so especially like things like your sales team. Your sales team is going to tell you all day long they don't want to fill out reports, okay? So the smartest thing my sales managers ever did for me, they did these things. They um, Part of my bonus package, when I reached a certain amount of money every month in commission because I was already getting rewarded with commission, was I would get uh, a monthly uh, additional siphon for massages. Um, and so I got a massage. And they also hired me three part-time virtual uh, in-person assistants that came to my home because I worked virtually back in the day when it wasn't a thing. And um, they paid them to plan my travel schedule, plan all my speaking engagements, coordinate all my CRMs, make phone calls and follow-ups to my clients, make sure all the emails went out. Everything I needed, wanted, or had to have done that wasn't closing a sale or making a presentation pretty much was done for me. And that, if you have a good closer and someone who's really good at one part of their job, you especially if that part, uh, that part of their um, project is making the company a lot of money, which a salesperson does, um, then all the other things you immediately need to take off their hands because someone in a much lower pay scale can be doing those things. That person is worth their weight in gold if they're bringing in those big contracts, those government contracts. Don't make them fill out the RFP. Don't make them, don't make them do all those things. You're misusing I mean, it's like taking your diamond ring and scratching the tar off of the bottom of your car. You don't, you don't use that kind of tool in order to achieve a, a, a 
something that needs to be done in your company. Make sure that you, you use your diamonds for what they're for and then your others tools for what they're for. All people are valuable, right? But there's obviously the CEO, the CFO, a, a chief operating officer, different people and different what they're bringing to the company table, it's going to be at a different pay level, right? It doesn't make them more important human beings or less important. But what I'm saying is when you have someone who can do a skill set that is unique and rare and valuable, get other support staff that can easily do any of those projects to do them for them and let them focus on that key thing that they're superstar at. So... And that is so critical because when I entered the government workforce, it was set up like a pyramid with the top person at the top. And then the base of it was what we called clerical support. So you were either clerical support, a technical position, or then you moved into management going up that pyramid. And at the time, because there were so few women in technical positions and in management positions, we had a federal women's group, we brought in speakers, we did fundraisers to pay for classes at uh, college or community college, whatever they wanted to go to, anything that, that would help them with their career. And unfortunately, what happened it was fortunate for the ind individuals because they all ended up promoted into technical positions or management positions. But we had this super thin layer of clerical support at the bottom. You literally had people making $80,000, $90,000 a year completing their travel reports, yeah. putting in for travel requests we would go to apartments and do reviews and we would come home with pages of notes and reports, you know, hand done. And we had to do it electronically, of course, you know, put it in a pretty format. We had to do all our own. So we ended up having to hire more people in the technical realm in a journeyman position at higher pay because we had to build in doing all the clerical work. And as far as I know, it is still that way. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how our tax dollars are being spent. <laughs> it, it is. And I mean, I don't want to blast the government because they were so <laughs> But I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. And you, we had, you know, inevitably you would hear somebody who was a program assistant in that clerical realm and they'd say, you know, I do all of, I'll just use me as an example. I do all of Jennifer's reports and I should be paid as much as her because I know what this is. Well, okay, yeah. but do you know all the logic and the background and the history that went into me creating that document, let's say. Uh, but it, I mean, it's just, it's really, I, I think it's a struggle in a lot of places because we value ourselves having a white collar job an office job and I went to college and, you know, we're prepared for this and we don't necessarily want to do those quote lesser tasks. And I saw it was on YouTube, an interview with, um, is it Mary Barr, the CEO of GM? Is it Mary Barr, Mary Barra? Anyway, in, in the interview, they said she started like in high school and they said, so did you think you would ever be the GM or the CEO of GM? And she said, no. And they said, well, did you like track out what your career progression was going to be? And she said, no. 
my goal was to do the very best job at whatever job I had. And they came to me one day and they said, we're going to make you the head of HR because you've done such a great job in this division. And she goes, I, I don't know anything about human resources. I can't, I can't be the head of human resources. And they said, yeah, but you've done so well all these years. We're going to make you the director of human resources. She said, okay, but she said, I didn't plan on that. I didn't know how to do that. She gets there and they had like a 400 page document on the dress code. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what were these people? I don't That's what I want to know. <laughs> she said, the first thing I did was throw that away and <laughs> a memo to every single employee. And it said, the new dress code is dress appropriately. And, and that was that. But I loved the fact that she didn't plan her career out. Mm -hmm. It was do your job the best you can. If you're in a clerical position or a non-managerial position and you want the next position, the best thing you can do for yourself is do what you were hired to do absolutely. really, really well. Mm -hmm. People notice. People absolutely notice. And I love taking input. I I was part of a team that did a lot of traveling training. And one of the things was what it was called, what is your iceberg? What underlying behaviors and beliefs do you have and how are they showing up to everybody else? Mm -hmm. And one of them that kind of came up consistently was going to a meeting that an employee was actually running and in charge of, but as the leader, as the manager felt you have to provide input to that meeting, right? To show that you're valuable and that you have a reason for being there. Right. It's like a lawyer is always going to make some sort of suggestion on any contract you send them because they need to show that they're valuable. Right. And that's why you're paying them $300 an hour. I'm happy to pay you $300 an hour to say you want my butt's covered and this is a good contract. Let's sign it and go. Don't make <laughs> Let's it just complicated do that. for me. Let's just keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. Right. But that, whole, that whole thing on input is so important because like there were times I gave input that I didn't need to. Like, mm -hmm. I just thought that was my job to give input. So <laughs> no, when, unsolicited advice is what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> no, when you don't really need to do that. And the other, I love that take input from them mm -hmm. because it can be so easy in a management position to think you're supposed to have all the answers, mm -hmm. but you're not. And when you first get promoted, somebody might like push you into that category where they treat you like, well, you're the manager. You should know the answer. We've all had that happen at some point. So I love this. Surrounding myself with people who are smarter than me makes me the smartest in the room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. Take their input, find a way to um, incorporate it. And I love when you said you're the one who needs to go research those tools and see what's possible mm -hmm. and what's out there. Because a lot of times we don't do that as managers. We just like, no, this is how we've always done it. And you're going to keep doing it that way. Please. I think yeah. if, if one thing happened in 2020, it was those rules no longer apply. No, I think every, <laughs> that's one of the things I think that came out of this that was good is I think it's opened up our minds. 
you know, all of our minds for to, to think outside of the box, genuinely, even people who are hard, true, die hard, they designed the box, they engineered the box, they were living in the box, there's no damn way in hell you were getting them out of the box. <laughs> well, COVID lit the box on fire, baby. So now you had to get the heck out. <laughs> now you have to do something. So gosh, Jessica, I cannot thank you enough for your time. So we got to set clear expectations and exactly how it should be done, what you're expecting. Then get into the personalities of your employees, because if you value them, they will, like you say, jump in front of that train for you and then take their input. Yes. And find the tools that will help them do their jobs better. Yeah. I love it. So Jessica, you're going to get me the link for your assessment in case people want to take it. Now, if somebody wants to reach out to you, how would they do that? What is your website? How do they get hold of you? Uh, www.jessicalkoch.com. Jessicalkoch.com. And Koch is like scotch. Scotch like scotch, the tape of the drink you pick. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. And to all my listeners, thank you for tuning in. And I look forward to connecting with you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining today. Please hop on over to iTunes to leave us a review and share our channel with your friends and family. Head over to TakagiConsulting.com slash gift for a great free gift. Also, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and TakagiConsulting.com. We would love to hear from you. And may your days be filled with more success than you ever dreamed possible.